Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Leela Singh. Leela is an accomplished sales and finance professional with a corporate career spanning over 25 years. And actually, that's included a, a transition from qualified accountant to Hewlett Packard Enterprise Sales Executive. Today, Leela is a personal brand consultant. She's also a TEDx speaker and she's the director of Success Redefined Limited. Hi, Leela. How are you? Hi, Tony. I am very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, actually. Yeah, we're both in our home offices, aren't we? Yeah. So lockdown will end soon for us. Not not too long now to wait. I believe so. I believe Boris is speaking today, isn't he? I believe he is. Yes. Yeah, some some <laughs> drivel will come out of his mouth today. We'll have to make sense of. Uh, but yes. Uh, so so uh, yeah. Hopefully, we'll all be. Would, are you working from home? anyway these days in in your new role like I do I am I am pretty much I mean before I'd pop into London a couple of days a week to, for meetings and seeing clients but now it's uh, yeah 24 7 at home <laughs> it, can, it can be good and it can be bad can't it it depends on your view really um Indeed, yeah well obviously that touches on your career Let, let's let's hear the career narrative because I think yours is a it's an interesting one yeah so um it began about probably 27 years ago now, um, I embarked on a career as an accountant because that was my dream to become a qualified chartered accountant and work for one of the big six as it was then. Um, Anyway, so I spent about six years in finance roles, um, learnt loads, really enjoyed it. Um, And what actually, there was a couple of things happened. I, I kind of felt there was more to life. And it was no disrespect to accountancy. It was more a case of, I want to be doing more. Um, so it was that coupled with a conversation I'd had with my finance controller at the time. He'd hired me at the time I was at Cable & Wireless. And he was leaving. So he came to say his goodbyes. And he gave me a piece of advice. And he said to me, he said, Leela, when we interviewed you, you had your aspirations, your career, where you wanted to be. And he said, you've been a great hire for the organization. I have no doubt you can accomplish that. But the challenge you're going to have is that people don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you're about. Um, They don't know what you're good at, what you've been working on. You're too quiet. You need to speak up more. You need to make yourself known. And off he went. And back then, I was very shy. I lacked confidence, self-esteem. I just 
didn't say boo to a goose, right? So I'd go into work, I'd keep my head down, I'd work really hard because I believed that would bring me the success I wanted because that's what I've done before with my studies and so forth. Um, so I didn't really know what to do with that advice, but I think it almost wasn't intentional, but I think somewhere underlying it was, was the fact that I needed to do something different. I needed to do something more. And I went away and did some due diligence on what I felt really lit me up in terms of the tasks I would do at work, the things I didn't want to be doing and recognizing the things that almost are inevitable, like, you know, the admin stuff and what have you. But I came up with a list and a big part of that was talking to people. So although I'm quite shy and, and I was introverted at the time, on a one-to-one level, I love talking to people. So, and I'd always thought, recruitment, that looks really cool. You get to talk to people all day, right? So I investigated it as a career and uh, spoke to a number of companies about it. And I came across one um, that was a smaller uh, company based in North London. And it just felt more like there was an opportunity there for me because it was a smaller place to start with. Um, And yeah, so I embarked on this new journey in sales. My first day, I was given my desk a a list of companies to cold call with a CV of a good candidate. And off I went. Um, I, I won't lie, it was probably the biggest stretch I ever took outside of my comfort zone. Um, but I'd made the decision, I committed to it and, and I went ahead with it. And actually I'd taken a 50% pay cut to, to do this. Yeah. So I kind of had to prove to myself I, I could do it. Um, and in my first year, I was the highest biller amongst a team of seasoned professionals. And I think that was more because I had the background of accountancy. So I had a more meaningful conversation, let's say with clients and with candidates um, versus my colleagues who were recruitment consultants they didn't necessarily un- they hadn't worked in that field um so that really showed me that that was so two things here it i spent a couple of years in recruitment and that showed me number one um that if you don't stretch yourself you do not know what you're capable of you will not realize that um that was number one number two was my confidence just soared because People were listening to me. I was going to see finance directors and controllers who were hiring and helping them solve their recruitment problems, the challenges. I was interviewing candidates at all levels and kind of coaching and mentoring them a little bit around their career opportunities, what they could do. And people listened. They took my advice. And I thought, actually, I've got value to bring. Whereas before, as an accountant, I felt like everyone was better than me, had something more intelligent to say, so I wouldn't speak up. And now I thought, right, you know what? We're all equal. We've all got value to bring to the table. So it's time to leverage my own. And and that's where my confidence absolutely soared. Um, And a couple of years on from that, I, um, I took redundancy. And I was thinking, do I go back into the safe environment of being an accountant again, or do I stay in sales? And an opportunity came up at a company called Electronic Data Systems, as it was then the second largest IT outsourcing company at the time. And I knew of the company. I'd had friends go through their graduate program, so I knew it was a great place to work. Um, They didn't have a job spec. I turned up, had a chat with them, um, had two interviews, probably the the most challenging interviews of my career, Um, got the job, which I really wanted. And it was a new role, wasn't clearly defined. 
But yet again, it took me massively out of my comfort zone. They asked me to initially set up processes across this business. It was a huge business. Um, so creating change, which people didn't like and don't like. Um, but then once I'd done that, it was a case of, right, go create the EMEA um, financing portfolio. What that meant was going out and negotiating with banks, with lenders um, on financing agreements and um, with some of the investment banks on huge structured financing deals and using the, the law firms to support me with that. But I was learning on the spot every single day and I'd ask for help. So I showed my vulnerability. I didn't make stuff up. I would go figure it out. Um, that was perhaps the, the most enjoyable part of my career was that time at EDS. Um, so it was in a corporate finance function. Um, then Hewlett Packard acquired us, I think it was 2008. Um, I was offered two roles. So one was a treasury consulting role and one was a sales exec role. I took the treasury consulting role initially because I felt from a CV point of view, it would complement what I've been doing in corporate finance because that also sat in a treasury function. Did that for about 15 months. And um, I, the guys in the sales side kept asking me to come take that role. So after 15 months, I hopped across and took on the sales exec role and did that for almost 10 years until I chose to leave HP Enterprise as it now is. Well, okay. So it is an incredible <laughs> sort of transition because I always think of people who go into accountancy, um, you know, it's a great, it, it, it's actually, you know, if you get your ACCA or whatever it is, your ACA, you know, you're supposed to be set for life. It's one of the hardest qualifications you can do. You know, it is a, you know, a, a prestigious professional exam and a, and a good career for, for most people. But my my view often of accountants is that they they don't like sales. You know, they, they're sort of, they don't see themselves as selling anything albeit they do. And the best, in my experience, the best accountants are also salespeople. In fact, everybody's selling all the time. I just don't get this notion that that, that uh, they're not. But but I would, you know, rightly or wrongly, I often put accounts in this group of they don't like sales, a bit like engineers. They, they'll say, oh, I don't like sales. But so so it's it's odd that you would make that transition and do it so successfully. Is, is, is that something that you, you know, feel, you, you know, other accountants should be embracing the idea that uh, you can influence people along the way rather than just, you know, uh, sit in the background. Absolutely, yes. And it was something I learned throughout that journey because if you'd asked me 25 years ago, you know, would you ever work in sales? Absolutely not. I didn't have the confidence or the wherewithal to do that. But I think stretching myself constantly kept building up that confidence for me, but also... I started to recognize my strengths and it was actually my sales director primarily whilst I was at Hewlett Packard who used to keep pointing it out to me and pushing me and saying, oh, you need your job is to go out and like uh, make friends with all the clients and really like get on with them, build the relationships. And I'm like, I have a day job to do. And he said, yeah, you could do that tonight. Go out and meet them for coffees and all of that. And sometimes I say to him, yeah, but you know, I'm still really shy. And he's like, really? But that was my old thinking. Okay. And I think the point here is, and then to your point, um, I absolutely believe everyone is in sales. I use that quote. There's a Zig Ziglar quote talks about if you're, if you're dealing with people in business, you're in sales. Mm. But even outside of business, we're in sales. Everything we do in some shape or form is selling because um, we're influencing other people to, to get on with us, to like us, to build relationships. And for me, that is the biggest thing when it comes to business and, and being successful in, a, in an organization. 
So even if you're in a support function like accountancy, finance, sales, uh, sorry, sales, HR, um, the sort of tech role in, in an IT company, so it's more of a back office, it's still important to develop your people skills, particularly if you want to move up the career ladder. Because to, to my experience early on, if people don't know who you are and what you're about. They're going, you're going to be overlooked when it comes to the next opportunity or the next big project or the pay rise when they've got a limited bucket for the end of year review. And so you want to be top of mind for people, which means building relationships, which means being in that sales role. Yeah. It's how you choose to interpret sales. Yeah. We're selling all the time. You sell to your, your, you know, your, your, your husband, your wife, you know, your kids, even it's, it's a, it's a constant thing. It's what we do to try and influence each other. Is that where this interest in, in personal brand has developed, you know, that you're, you're, you're doing now from, from those, you know, those early realizations that uh, you need to be pushing yourself further forward. It is absolutely. Uh, you know, I kind of reverse engineered what I had done. So when I decided to step into coaching, I was per- coaching around sort of the broader personal growth aspects. And then I looked at what I had to bring to the table. I looked at my story and my journey and realized, actually, looking back, these are things that I did to, be- to go from being that really shy person who didn't speak up, was getting overlooked, was missing out to having my clients gravitate towards me when they were ready to buy, having people who even now, a few years on from leaving the company, I'm still in touch with, I'll still meet them up for a drink or coffee. I recognize the importance of relationships, but I enjoy it as well. Mm. And I think that is a big part of it. So that was me bringing to the table my kind of, I guess, a framework around how to build your personal brand so that you you can stand out, you can be front of mind for the decision makers, for those people that matter. And I always ask, but wouldn't it be a nicer place to be when you have people gravitating towards you rather than you always having to chase after opportunities or, you know, keep asking for the pay rise? You want to be top of mind for people. And that, and that, I think it, it has a real impact in your, if you're in a job search as well, your personal brand. Um, from my point of view, you know, I always argue if you're on LinkedIn at all, you've got at least a sort of foundation stone of a, of a personal brand in so much as somebody like me who's a headhunter can actually find you. And it's your opportunity to, you're self-publicizing your, your, your achievements. So, you know, the more f- full your profile is, the more likely I am going to be able to match you with an opportunity that is that is relevant. But also, I talk a lot about the idea of the value that that generates. You know, this sort of idea of of, of a bit like a, a normal brand, if you like, a brand in the in the real world. You know, why do people pay twice as much for a T-shirt with a particular logo on than another T-shirt that's probably about the same quality, frankly? And a lot of it is perception um, and 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 the value that we we place in things and. I find that even online, but also in real life, in, in you know, in, in with people with gravitas versus people who do not have that sort of gravitas, you do, you naturally think, yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing to agree that this guy is at this level or this lady's at, at this level, she's worth this amount of money or worth more than the next person because of this perceived value. How, how do people, how do people build a personal brand that's going to help them in their job search? So for me, 
and the thing is a lot of people at the moment talking about personal branding are talking solely about your online presence mm. and i believe that's absolutely important as you say particularly if you're you're looking out for a new role um but it begins with you and how you show up so it's almost like the online and the offline version of your brand and they need to be aligned they need to be congruent so there's six core things that i believe are important to building your personal brand um, number one is the one that people tend to avoid, which is self-reflection, introspection, looking at yourself, getting clear on who you are, what you stand for, what you want to be known for, your non-negotiable values, because those will drive your decisions and make things a lot easier for you. Um, number two is mindset. And that is the biggest thing that can hold us back from moving forward. So we can have all of the strategies, the skills, the experience and everything. But if the mindset isn't there, we don't have that winning mindset. That's the biggest thing that can hold us back if you think about confidence and people who lack confidence and as you said it's like we tend to gravitate to people who show up with confidence with gravitas right and they'll stand out to you naturally in a room so you want to be that person and that starts with your mindset and then the next part of that the third one is presence so building a strong presence because often I hear people say, um, if you talk about networking events, for example, oh, I hate them because I don't know what to say to people and they're going to think I'm stupid. And actually, communication is only 7% words, right? So I, the rest of your communication, which is nonverbal, is what people are already um, forming an impression from before you've said anything. And therefore, that's where you develop that and become very aware of it so you can show up with a strong presence in any situation. And that includes on your zoom call or your ms teams call mm. it's not just about in a room so by becoming aware of that and, and honing those skills they become innate they become second nature to you, so you don't have to think about it number four is communication effective communication whether it's one-to-one one-to-many presenting in a meeting that's really important as well the fourth thing for me perhaps one of the most important again is is relationships connection building those strong connections with people. So they, it's that saying by Maya Angelou, it's, it's not what you, is it what you do and what you say, it's, it's how you, yeah, it's how you make people feel. And building those strong connections where they're warm, where you actually have a genuine interest in other people and you're not doing it from an opportunistic point of view can make all of the difference because you will have those people remembering you, reaching out to you. And I'm seeing that now in my own business with people I've worked with up to 20 years ago reaching out to me. Um, so there is a lot to be said about your relationships and building that circle of influence. And then the, the final thing for me is, is cultivating leadership. So your personal leadership, which means having the ability to influence your own outcomes and having a high level of self-awareness and EQ. And then by virtue of, of honing that, you're perceived as a leader for others. So it's not about your job title, but it's how other people perceive you and therefore they gravitate to you. They want to have you in their team or to work with you. Mm. Yeah, to have your advice. It, it's it's amazing how these things can be developed, can't they? Because you know, I, I interview a lot of people that definitely are people later in their career who have incredible gravitas because they've because they've got the life experience, they realize it's not all about you know, the sort of work aspect of things. It's it's a lot more about being human 
that makes you impactful and therefore you you know if you can engage with people on a human level um you're going to you're going to do better generally in life um but also because you you grow in confidence and all the other things that happen as you as you get older but it, i do believe it's something you can train yourself to do better we've we've probably all had those situations i i can recall you know in in my sort of early corporate career you know worrying about big rooms and doing presentations and things like that but you know, I was always capable of sort of influencing somebody one to one. I was always very happy doing that. But, but, but we all worked at these things to try and improve them. Um, and I think, you know, if I think about an interview situation um, that that people are in, it's one of those key situations where you meet people more senior than you. Um, not having confidence can really undermine your performance, whereas having good confidence uh, and having some gravitas can really make you memorable and likable which are the two things you want to you want to be in an interview straight off the bat are there any sort of techniques that that people can can sort of work on to try and help them if they if they feel they're they're lacking in that sort of interview gravitas piece yeah i think a a big part of that and probably the easiest one is around developing a strong presence and and they're really simple things okay so your posture right how you carry yourself when you walk into a room, when you shake somebody's hand, you know, making eye contact, smiling. They're really little things that you think, mm. yeah, that, that's not going to make a big difference, but it really does because just smiling, making the eye contact, that creates a sense of warmth and a sense of trust. The, the posture, the, the way that you hold yourself when you sit down mm. is also a sign of your own um, certainty in yourself, your, your self-assurance, let's say. And then that will come across in the way that you speak, the way that you convey yourself. So that in itself can make all of the difference, even if inside you're absolutely bricking it, <laughs> you know, just by virtue of how you do it. And the biggest thing I'd say to bring those things together um, are to breathe. And people laugh at me because I think I'm going all woo-woo with the whole sort of meditation or whatever. But actually breathing can, you know, taking two or three really slow deep breaths relaxes your physiology so if you're tense and you're nervous it shows because you kind of tend to be a bit hunched up and stuff if you're relaxed you'll feel more grounded you'll feel more in control therefore when you show up for that interview when you meet that person you'll feel in a better place to to come from a place where you are um more considered let's say in your responses in the way that you're speaking to someone and and for me and, and a proof of this for me, which really surprised me, was a conversation I had about uh, about this with a, a lady I met at an, an event a few years ago. And she was, you know, quite short. She was very, um, uh, what's the word, like hunched over. And she, she totally lacked confidence. And she came up to me. She said, oh, you're really like self-assured up there on stage. And how can I be like you and whatever? Anyway, so I gave her the exact same tips in my mind to help her to feel more confident. And she messaged me the next day on LinkedIn and said, thank you for your advice. Um, I did it today when I went into the office and she'd been there for six months. She's just out of university. And she said, I can already see the difference in the way other people are behaving towards me. Mm. And that for me still gives me goosebumps because I think that is the power of this. It's, it's not only about how you feel showing up, but it's how other people feel around you and therefore respond to you because of how you're coming across. Mm. So it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, and you've only got a very short space of time in, a, in an interview to to make a good impression. So, yeah, this having some some you know 
basic techniques that you you deploy every time like like say the breathing um the way that you deliver the information have you know i always talk to people about practicing your career narrative having a, a personal value proposition stuff that you've got in your locker that you know you're going to deliver gives you great confidence when you go into those meetings uh, and doing your mm. research and all of that you know means that you feel you feel emboldened by the, the things you're doing but you've still got to do you know the, the the sort of physical techniques i agree you've got to you've got to have the right posture you've got to look like you're interested in what they're saying as well as uh, being able to deliver the things that you want to say um and then you know take it get more advanced and and ask really good questions you know questions yeah. that are very personal not just you know the usual nonsense ask them about why they they work there what their sort of journey has been like in the business what their personal view is of you know, career development, because actually you've read their LinkedIn profile and you know that they've, they went through three different levels of seniority in that business. Ask them about that journey. It makes such a, just little things like that just make such a difference to whether they remember you, whether they liked you over another candidate with equally uh, interesting skills and CV, you know, it's uh, it makes a big yeah. difference. So, yeah, I think, I think uh, personal branding is something that people need to, it is one of these things and that people don't again and maybe a bit like sales they don't like the idea oh i haven't got a personal brand in the same way that some people are, well i don't i don't do sales we, unfortunately if you're a human in the world you do both of these things you just have to put some effort into them because sales are techniques you need to learn and develop to get better at doing it and and i agree things like you know your gravitas people aren't born with it they you know they learn how to be um you know more impactful uh in their dealings with other people so these are things you can learn too and uh, i think you should learn them before you go for an interview uh, any any final pieces of advice that you would give to to people who are maybe a little bit worried about their in-person performance in an interview and what other things that they might be able to do before going to that interview to to, to sort of improve that i would say to your point have your messaging well honed so you know you know, those, those obvious questions are going to come. Mm. You can answer them without having to stop and really think and create something at that time. Um, being genuinely interested in the other person and not being afraid to ask those questions. Because, again, as you say, I find it strange that it, people almost feel like, well, they're there to be interviewed. Mm. It's a two-way process. You've got to make sure it's the right uh, culture, the right environment, the right ethic you know, values there, all of those things. So really ask about what's important for you. Um, and I think if, particularly in this current market, um, you know, there's a lot of people out of work, losing their jobs, at risk and so forth. It's very, very competitive. It does come back to what is your competitive advantage? What is it that has you standing out from the crowd that have you being remembered mm. that will have those people that you're speaking to have you top of mind. So even if, for example, they interview you and they decide to choose somebody else, did you make such a compelling impression that they're prepared to refer you to somebody else who mm. is searching for someone? You just don't know. And I always say one person can change your life. One person can create that huge opportunity for you. And you just don't know. So you want to keep opening up those doors by, um, uh, what's the word? Cultivating your your network, your relationships, and leaving that good impression consistently with people. Yeah, and I, it's it, 
makes me think of the mindset thing you were saying earlier on. It's something I'm very interested in. My 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 search business is called Mindset Search because I'm I'm so interested in the idea of mindset. And it made me think there. You know, when you go into a, an interview, you go into it with a mindset. Everybody does. Whether whether that mindset is I'm I'm ideal for this job, and that's what you're telling yourself before you go in, and that will show up in in the way that you ask and answer questions. But I think if you can sort of reset yourself program yourself we're both slightly interested in nlp as well i think you know if you can go in with the mindset of this is a great opportunity for me to ask questions about the business to interview them as much as they're interviewing me you will come across differently um if, you know if if you go in with the mindset of i'm going to be interrogated and i'm under pressure then you will be under pressure and you'll feel like you've been interrogated but you you, you do have to sell yourself uh, and sell to yourself the idea of of uh, how the interview is going to be, and, and that it's and almost practice it in your mind to make it a, a an improved uh, situation for you and one that you're comfortable with and willing to do. So uh, yeah, I think mindset is 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 entirely important in these things. And and also um, visualizing. I'm a big believer in that. If you visualize, particularly if you get quite nervous in those situations, but visualize yourself showing up to the interview in the way you would ideally love yourself to show up and and to the way that you communicate with the person um because it, it's really powerful again and, and how you then behave once you've got that in your mind's eye of how you want that to um how that you know that meeting to evolve let's say um or something else I was going to say it's gone out of my head, but yeah, definitely <laughs> well, the visualization. I, I, definitely, I think visualizing works. I think it's you know all the top um, you know golfers, you know athletes of of most sort. They they visualize what they're going to do. They they funny enough. Here's a, here's a great point. They practice stuff. That's why they become better at it. And I think if you're going to go into an interview, practice your opening sort of statement, your career narrative, practice your personal value proposition. Think of the sort of questions you're likely to get asked around, you know, competencies that you need for the role and think about how you can pull together a story uh, from your background, which proves you have these competencies. If you can do that, you will, you will perform better. I always think it's amazing how people go through, um, you know, a job search they have, oh, they'll say, you know, I've, I've had 20 interviews. And then they say, and eventually I've got the interview that worked for me. And I think, well, no, actually what's happened is over 20 interviews, you've got better at being interviewed. And and by the end, you've worked out what they need you to say, what you need to, how you need to present yourself. It's practice makes perfect. If you could have been that good in the first interview, you would have got that offered that job as well. And there are people out there that get offered every single job interview that, that they go to to get offered the job because they're really, really good at delivering these things and they've done the practice. So for God's sake, do the practice. Uh, Leela, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Leela gave some great advice there on the sort of things that you need to think about before interviewing to try and make sure that you have the best presence, the best mindset, and you're able, therefore, to deliver the best performance at interview. If you are currently going to interview, why don't you have a look at my premium online course at careermovesecrets.com. The course is split in two halves. The first half is all about finding jobs, particularly in the hidden job market. The second half of the course which is 10 secrets in total are all about the interview process and how you 
can nail that interview process and put your best foot forward and ace the interviews by using some of the the secret techniques that I pass on. They're the sorts of techniques that the very much the elite level candidates use in order to win over their interviewers and get job offers. If that's something that interests you, please do take a look at that. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider subscribing. Please consider leaving a review. It would be really helpful. And of course, there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. 